0: Get 0% interest for 48 months on any replacement project right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Our experts complete the installation with no hassle or mess, leaving only perfect results. Schedule your free consultation now at PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios
1: at The Avenue. It's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. All right. This is uh, I I just I talked made this point earlier on with Steve Scafidi. First of all, I have become convinced that there really is going to be a a red wave in November. You're starting to see this in all the polls, and I understand people are reluctant to, you know, treat polls as the gospel, and I get that. But uh, generally speaking, to the extent the polls err, they they underreport Republican support. What's happening now is you have Republicans. I mean, the, the state of New York the state of new york that governor's race is within a couple points now i'm not predicting the republican candidate's going to win but you see more and more people who are you know disaffected with the the economy with many of the issues with the track this country is on joe biden is on a milk carton i mean joe biden is not out campaigning essentially for any of the Democratic candidates because they don't want to be associated with Joe Biden and the failures of this administration. And what I really think you're seeing is an enthusiasm gap. Elections, particularly in states like Wisconsin, so often that are close, so often they're they're decided by that enthusiasm. Is it, you know, how motivated are voters to get out and vote? I believe, and I've said this before firmly, that in 2018, the reason – Tony Evers beat Scott Walker had nothing to do with Tony Evers. Tony Evers as a, as a candidate is just sort of a cipher. I mean, it Tony Evers inspires nobody to want to go out, I think, and, and vote unless you're a close friend of his or a relative of his. But what happened is you had people, particularly in Milwaukee and in Dane County who just hated Donald Trump. Yes, that's what they did. They hated Donald Trump. And so they were motivated to run out and to vote. For anybody who had a D after their name, as a way of just saying, okay, this is we're going to send a message to Donald Trump. So you had that enthusiasm gap that was there. They were more fired up, I think, than Republican voters. Same thing true to an extent. In in 2020, um, where, again, you had this incredibly fired up base of voters in Milwaukee and in Madison who were running out to, okay vote to make sure that Donald Trump did not get reelected. Well, Trump isn't on the ballot, no matter what some people would might might like to argue. And I think you're starting to see that that enthusiasm gap has completely switched. You've got Republicans who are incredibly motivated to get out and vote, and that's starting to be picked up in the polls. And I I think, again, that's one of the reasons why I believe that you're going to see a a red wave. I mentioned this with Steve. Um, The the conventional wisdom is that Republicans vote in person and Democrats tend to vote by mail, the absentee ballots. Now, it's still two and a half weeks away. So, I mean, a lot of this can change. But if you want to compare apples to apples, the number of absentee ballots returned in 20... 18 and 2020 by by this time that would be like 3 weeks before the election essentially 56% of absentee ballots that had been requested had been returned This year, it's 45 percent, you know, a significant drop off. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, there there can't be a huge wave of of absentee ballots that come back. But to me, that's another indicator of this enthusiasm gap that may be out there. Now, we'll all know in two and a half weeks, but I think it's shaping up very, very well. Interesting note. Now, I understand in some circles, you know, um, if if you don't want to hate Donald Trump, well, then you also want to hate uh, Ron DeSantis from from Florida, you know, who's viewed as the the next Republican presidential candidate. And he may very, very well be. But I want to tell you something. This is Ron DeSantis is a guy that gets stuff done. Three weeks ago, you had this massive hurricane that landed in southwest Florida, Naples and Fort Myers. And if you've ever been down there, you know that there's there's Sanibel Island, which is a huge tourist attraction. Lots of people go to vacation. And the only way that you can get to Sanibel Island other than a helicopter or other than a ferry boat is that you go across a three mile causeway. You probably saw what happened. That causeway got taken out by Hurricane Ian and people were talking about how it might be. Months before that causeway gets rebuilt, well, DeSantis stepped in and said, "No, that's not what. This is going to be our priority. We are going to get it done." And originally, the plan was to get it done by the end of October, October thirty first. Well, earlier this week, they got it finished. The, The causeway is now back and it's open. Now it's it's a little bit of a limitation. They've got it open for. Um, they've got it open for, like, emergency vehicles and contractors and stuff on Monday and Tuesday. But now residents can can get actually get onto the island, and you're starting to see powers getting restored and things like that. This is a guy who gets stuff done. And I, I find myself thinking, boy, you know, if this had been, for example, a Tony Evers who was faced with that kind of crisis, would he have been able to get a project like that done as quickly as Ron DeSantis did? And My guess is I wouldn't be holding my breath. All right. Here are the stories. This is the headline from Fox 6. Three fatal crashes in Milwaukee. Milwaukee police are investigating three separate fatal crashes that happened overnight. Around 1023 p.m. Thursday, October 20th, last night, a 30-year-old man was driving at a high rate of speed on West Roosevelt when he collided with a vehicle traveling on North 27th Street. The vehicle he struck had two people inside, a 47-year-old man and a 31-year-old female passenger. The 47-year-old man died at the scene. 31-year-old passenger was taken to the hospital and treated for her injuries. Her condition is serious. 30-year-old man was taken into custody. So one dead, one seriously injured because you've got this 30-year-old guy driving at a high rate of speed, and he smashes into a vehicle. Don't know how fast he was going, but you get the idea. Just after 11 p.m. on Thursday, October 20th, which again is last night, a vehicle traveling southeast on Appleton struck a 40-year-old woman while she was walking her dog. The vehicle fled the scene. The pedestrian died at the scene. No word on the condition of the dog. Milwaukee police continue to seek the driver. So it's 11 o'clock at night. Woman's out walking her dog on Appleton by Silver Spring. Hit and run, and woman is dead. Then, less than an hour later, 50th in Greenfield, just after midnight, police responded to the area 50th and Greenfield for a single vehicle crash. Upon arrival, police and fire personnel attempted life-saving measures on the sole occupant of the vehicle, a 55-year-old man. He was pronounced dead at the scene. So in the space of around two hours, you have three people dead as a result of automobile collisions. In one case, guy driving at a high rate of speed hits a car, kills a 47-year-old driver. Secondly, you've got a woman who's walking her dog. She's killed in a hit-and-run accident. Third is a single-car accident. And don't know exactly what caused that. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. I want to ask what I, what I think is maybe a somewhat provocative question, but I don't think it's unfair. This, there are three people dead, all right. In a two hour span last night. But this is is not, unfortunately, an atypical situation. This is this is Thursday night in Milwaukee. Now, three dead is is a lot. But um, it seems like on an almost daily basis, if you watch the television news or you listen to the radio news or you check out your you know news feeds on the Internet, you're going to see one or more people who's been killed in an automobile crash in Milwaukee, Largely a lot of times because of exactly this reckless driver, guy speeding hits and kills someone, or you have the situation where you've got the driver who hits and kills the lady walking the dog or the pedestrian crossing the street, you know, they're dead and the person drives off and and maybe, maybe they can clear the case. Maybe they can't. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Are you afraid to drive around here? Are you afraid to drive around here or even be on the streets because of the degree of reckless driving that is out there? And it's story after story after story. And I was thinking about this because you had the the deal a week or two ago where you had the pastor from uh, Grace Lutheran Church who had just dropped off his daughter— for, for school, and, and he's on his way to to the church, I think. He's at 10th and Wells, which is not that far from where I'm sitting right now, right by—there used, used to be a parking lot there that I'd go to when I went to Marquette Law School. And and you got a guy who's driving over 70 miles an hour, who's blown through five stoplights, hits and, and kills the, the pastor. And it's story after story after story after story like this. And I understand we— We talk about, well, you know, maybe we want to, you know, alter the traffic flow or adjust the roads to try to make people slow down. But the point is, people aren't slowing down. And I guess it's getting to the point where are you afraid or reluctant to drive around here, if afraid isn't the right word, because you just never know when you might be that poor person who's in the wrong place at the wrong time, When you have the reckless driver at the high rate of speed who blows through the stop sign or blows through the red light and hits and and kills you or kills somebody that you're riding with or kills your kids or whatever. 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. I'm just amazed that we tolerate this around here because I have to tell you, I think it's almost getting to the point that every time you make a decision to drive in the city, you are literally taking your life in your hands. We discussed 855-616-1620. Jeff, I'm deathly afraid to drive in Milwaukee, specifically late at night. Sorry for the woman who lost her life for being out at 11 p.m. walking her dog. I just wouldn't do it. It's too dangerous. Think about what that says. It's too dangerous to walk your dog. Now, I, I... don't, don't know exactly what to say because when my dog needs to be walked, she needs to be walked. Jeff, I used to drive Uber and Lyft, and I'm glad I don't do it anymore due to the amount of no-talent clowns that are on the road. Jeff, we rarely drive into Milwaukee from Germantown, and I grew up on 70, 70th and Silver Spring. Sad to see what's going on in my old neighborhood. Um... Jeff, last night we were in Bayview walking around looking at Halloween displays. This one house had a very large display that was drawing lots of people to the area. We were walking across the street to our car, and this car was speeding down the residential block. It didn't yield in a crosswalk. There were children around. It's getting ridiculous. I definitely do not drive around Milwaukee as much as I used to. Jeff, just this past Wednesday, five cars ran through red lights early in the morning as I... I was going to work. Um, Jeff, my aunt and her friend were killed on Sherman and Burleigh back in 2014 by a 60-something-year-old woman who blew a stop sign at over 60 miles an hour. John Chisholm decided it was the wrong place and wrong time, and not a single thing happened to that woman. Penalties just aren't there to stop this. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think there's an element to, to that that's out there, as well. All right, let's 855-616-1620. Jeff, speaking of driving through Milwaukee, I'm in I'm an RV transporter. I delivered Uh, new wheels and travel trailers to new dealerships. I've been driving a lot in Milwaukee. Um, I've encountered people driving 80, 90 miles an hour, vehicles coming up on me and zooming around with me. I'm not necessarily scared for my life about getting in an accident. A lot of these vehicles are smaller than my vehicle, but I am stunned by the reckless driving that's going on. I'm checking all my mirrors all the time when I'm traveling through Milwaukee, and that's just on the... Interstate, Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, sadly, car crashes and deaths are going to keep happening until the judicial system, and namely the DA of Milwaukee, starts to take action. Well, and and part of the problem, which you have to understand, is that crime is now so rampant. It used to be, for example, hit and run. Hit and run was, these were cases that were solved quickly, because what happens is, Normally in a hit-and-run, there's going to be some witnesses or maybe there's going to be street cameras, so you'll, you'll know the car that was involved. And when there's a hit-and-run, you, you have damage to the car, right? So that, that's, that's how you clear these cases. You know, you've got somebody, they've got damage to the car. All right, some neighbor or something sees them pulling the car into the garage Auto body shops, for example, will call, you know, hey, there's this guy that brought—we know that somebody was killed. One was killed walking her dog last night. Now there's somebody here with all sorts of damage to their car, and the police get an opportunity to investigate. But because there is so much carnage, because there's so much hit-and-run going on, for example, the police are just absolutely overwhelmed. The, the clearance rate for hit-and-run is just— it's dropping, it's plummeting, in part because this is going on so much, in part because some people don't want to cooperate and things like that. But it really is at this point where if you're crossing the streets in many areas around the city of Milwaukee, you're taking your life into your own hands. Also now, you're even if you're in a car and you're driving, you know, you're taking your life into your own hands. I mean, again, just think back what happened to that, that pastor from Grace Lutheran. He's just, thank goodness— and there, I mean, there's no silver lining. You have this young man, this 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 man who is dead, who had really touched the lives of a lot of parishioners and things like that. And I mean, there's no real silver lining, but for the fact that he had just dropped his daughter off at school. And so she wasn't in the car with him when this psycho runs through a red light after running through four or five more at 75 miles, you know, an hour. So, Jeff, I wonder how many of these vehicles shouldn't even be on the road based on no license, no insurance, etc. I would say tow them. Well, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that as well. I mean, right now, if the car is unregistered and it's involved in reckless driving, they'll, they'll tow it. My point, and I've made this multiple times on this program before, I don't get that. I mean, I, I think I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, if you're driving and you don't have a license, for example, uh, I, I would tow the car on, on the spot. No question. Jeff, I was in Milwaukee, and a car sped down the street the wrong way on a one-way street, and there was a police officer on the corner. And when I asked if he was going to do anything about the car that just sped by, his reply was, I'm on foot patrol. I can't do anything about it. Jeff, we need to do everything we can to slow down the reckless drivers, even if that means replacing all the stoplights with roundabouts. I'm a truck driver, so when I drive through Milwaukee, I see three or four cars going through the red light stop signs within a couple of blocks. No question about, you know, that. Um, Jeff, maybe our educational systems should, you know, teach an ethics course of study. Well, uh, okay, here, here's the thing. Um, you know, Jeff, we need red light cameras and find people and arrest them. Well, I'm not opposed to red light cameras. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, that's just part of the solution. But I guess, and I understand sometimes when I talk about this, I sound like a broken record. But as I'm doing my show research this morning, and I, I pop on, and the, the TV websites are one of the, the sources I use. And the first thing I see is this story that says, you know, three fatal crashes in Milwaukee in a period of two hours, and it's all—it's all just. It's all just stupid stuff. I mean, a lady, I mean, okay, it's Appleton and Silver Spring. She's walking her dog, and you have uh, this hit and run, and she's left for dead. And who knows if they'll ever solve it. 27th and Roosevelt, you have a guy who's driving in a car, 47-year-old guy, who's just in the wrong place at the wrong time when somebody driving at a high rate of speed, and I don't know what that means, if it's 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 miles an hour. I don't know how fast he was going, but he slams into a car, kills a 47-year-old man. For goodness sakes, these are people who are never going to see another sunrise again simply because, I don't know, they had the temerity to drive or walk their dog on the mean streets of Milwaukee and all you get is lip service from the politicians. All you get is lip service from the mayor. You get lip service from the members of the common council. Nobody wants to tackle this problem on head on. Moreover, more and more people are dying on the streets and more and more other people are just kind of sitting there and saying, okay, why do I, why do I need to drive down there? Why do I need to put myself at risk given The likelihood that I'm going to be the next person that sees the guy driving 80 miles an hour through the red light and maybe he'll hit me, maybe he won't. Who wants to take that chance? And the reality is... Look, I understand there's bad drivers all over, but it's nothing like what's going on around here. It's nothing like what's going on around here. If you live in Washington County, if you live in Dodge County, if you live in Fond du Lac County, you can probably tell stories of the occasional bad driver. But it's not like every night you've got two or three people dying because of reckless driving and fatalities. Enough is enough, isn't it? 855-616-1620. Jeff, it's common sense. In the present time, you can throw a stick and seemingly find a good paying job and probably decent benefits. There's no excuse for people to be unemployed unless it's exactly what they want to be. And in that case, they should not get paid for being unemployed. Well, it varies from time to time. Um, it varied from time varies from time to time, and I understand that if you're in a situation where you, there, there, there's no jobs that are out there. Now, somebody says, "Well, the, Jeff, the, the unemployment rate is is only you know it's only three percent." There's there's not the implication being there, there's just not jobs that are out there, and there's not a lot of people who are looking for the jobs. Look. The, the, Part of the problem with the unemployment rate now is that there's a lot of people who've completely checked out. They're not actively looking for jobs. The real number of because it's only if you're actively looking, you're included in the unemployment rate. But look, here's here's the bottom line of all this. I, I appreciate that there is a role for unemployment insurance. But at the same time, don't you have an obligation to try to find a job? Let's talk to Denny in Wapaka. Denny, you're on WTMJ.
0: Hey, Jeff, I think you're right. I, I, I know what you're saying. I would like to see percentages. I'm an employer, uh, and it's not an unemployment issue with me. My best techs, who are working 50 to 60 hours a week making very good money, said, we only want 40 hours. We live within our means. We live in smaller homes. The lady across the street from me in a rural uh, Walpaca County town At 30 years at a company, wasn't appreciated, bested at 62, quit at 56 because she owns her small home as a garden, husband still works. I can tell you a fair amount of stories like that, including my two daughters who both go to school while working full-time and Mm -hmm. have openly said, we don't want a big house, we don't want a big car, we're going to work at something we care about. So as an employer, you are right, there are people sitting on unemployment, but there's that other other thing going on below it that I don't think we acknowledge enough, and I'd like to see those percentages, I don't know anybody that's studying them.
1: Yeah, you know, I- interesting. Again, and I think, look, I, I understand there, there's some people who, who make these different choices, and I'm getting some text, texters who are suggesting, oh, you know, you, you, you don't care about these people who've lost their job. No, that, that's 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 not the point. Unemployment is not set up to be a, a permanent alternative to work. It is set up as a temporary benefit that is there to help you between jobs. You know, and, but the expectation is that you're going to aggressively you know, try to find a new job. And, and and if if you decide that you don't want to do that, that that that's okay. Then you know, then then don't collect the unemployment and things like that. But this idea, and, and look, and here is the reality. And again, there's a lot of people who are very very motivated and they're career driven, and you know, they're in jobs that they like, and they've lost their jobs and they're frustrated. But the truth is, there's a lot of other people who are in what I'm going to describe as I don't want to say dead end jobs, but they're jobs that they don't necessarily like. They don't like going to work, and maybe these are not the highest paying jobs. So the idea is, well, okay, if I if I make a 100- hundred. Dollars, uh, you know, working at the job, and I can get you know seventy-five dollars or seventy bucks, you know, by not working at all. Well, I'm I'm just going to stay home and work. That is a, a not work. That creates a huge disincentive, I, I think, to try to find these jobs, and that's why you're starting to see it out there. And all, all I'm saying is, look, in times when You can't find jobs and there's high unemployment and we've got everything that's closed down because the government has shut down things because of COVID or whatever or businesses have gone, you know, have have just faded because of that. I understand. That's why, you know, back a couple of years ago, I, I was not the guy that was opposing, you know, extending, you know, unemployment benefits for an extra 13 weeks or an extra 13 weeks on top of that because we were in extraordinary times. We are not in those extraordinary times anymore, and to just simply say we're going to continue to do this we're we're going to give people um you know we're going to give people like twenty six weeks of uh, you know, half a year to find a new job when you've lost your own, even though there's plenty of jobs out there that people can find I, I just don't think that that's necessary. I don't think it's good policy. And I think, you know, Tim Michaels deserves credit for putting this on the table. And my guess is the vast majority of people who lose their jobs, who aren't getting ready to retire or something like that, they're aggressively in the job market. They're going to be actively trying to look for, you know, another job. But for the folks that aren't aggressively looking for a job, the question becomes, why not? And we shouldn't have a system which encourages people to not be aggressive in looking for jobs. Period. Jeff, when I lost my job, I sat in the parking lot of the job I just got fired from and started sending applications. I was hired the next day making more money than before. Jeff, I think we should link benefit duration to the unemployment rate. Higher rate, longer term benefits. And I agree. Matter of fact, that's what... One of the proposals that Evers shot down was it was saying, "Okay, look, we're we're going to cut back the duration right now, given where unemployment is. We're going to cut it back to, I think, 14 or 15 weeks, which is still three and a half months. And we will increase it as the unemployment rate goes up. And I think that's. You know, that's fair. Jeff, our son was let go from his job because the job was automated. He started working at another job in 2 weeks, used unemployment and some savings to tide him over. That is what unemployment is for. I- exactly. It's it's that safety net. It helps you as you move from one job to another. It's not, here, we're going to give you a semi-paid vacation for, you know, six months. And the expectation is that you're going to, you know, look for the jobs. Jeff, even if you can't find what you want or are looking for, there are jobs available for the interim all over. I see help wanted signs, you know, all over. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, Jeff, I'll tell you what about this subject is a hot one for me. I've worked my entire life, drew unemployment one time due to COVID and never received it. Every person that would come into the workforce and didn't like the job because it's work would say, I'm going back on unemployment as far as – far back as I go. I can't, I can't think you cannot just quit a job and receive unemployment, but because the unemployment office is run so poorly, you know, people have been able to sit on it forever while working people can't get a break. Well, I mean, I, I, I think maybe there is an element, you know, of that that's out there. Um, you know, Jeff, where is your sensitivity? Don't you know that looking for work might interfere with video game schedules? Well, it might appear with other schedules as well. Look, bottom line is, unemployment is important. People should be able to qualify for unemployment. People should be able, when you lose your job, you should be able to get unemployment in a timely sort of fashion, which we saw wasn't happening during COVID, you know, under the Evers administration, at least for a while. But my point is, you, you it shouldn't be there forever. All right, when we come back, as an issue, has it jumped the shark? I will explain, we will discuss.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff
1: Wagner Show. Now here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So Mike Spalding, we were talking about like weekend plans and stuff, and I said, boy, I'm, I'm hoping this is kind of a quiet weekend. So last night, cause I, last night, once a month we go out, and we play in these trivia contests, and so last night was was trivia, con, was our was our trivia contest, and a lot of people there. My team came in second. Um, and and I, I take some of the responsibility for it because I'm the captain. And I ultimately, you know, when you've got a group of people, everybody's offering you know answers, and sometimes you, you got you got to make the call. And I I made the wrong call on two of them. Now that is not ultimately what cost us the the game, but I I, I, w- I was made the wrong call on two of them. One of the questions was, and and maybe you will know this, uh, the last his last studio album before his death. The studio album was released in 2001, and it was called Invincible. Who who is the artist? Oh, it's not Johnny Cash? There was a question. I mean, I'm I'm asking you Johnny Cash
2: is my guess.
1: Well, you'd be wrong. I I said Prince, and actually, actually the table said Prince, and my friend Kathy, quietly, after we turn in the answer, says, I think it's Michael Jackson. And it was Michael Jackson. In- Invincible was his last stud the last studio album. I before can picture it, yeah. the album cover now. <laughs> it was Invincible, yeah, yeah. but so I, I you know, w- the rest of us were nobody really knew for sure. But we were thinking, okay, maybe it's Prince, but it was it ended up being Michael Jackson. But my friend Kathy was saying, kind of quietly, well, maybe it was Michael Jackson. I'm like, Kathy, you got to speak up. You got to be assertive on this stuff. <clears throat> you, you got because we didn't know that. Okay, now this this is one that I feel worse about because I, I made an executive decision that was completely clearly wrong. Ricky Henderson used to play for the Oakland Athletics. Mm-hmm. He has the Major League single season record for the most steals, stolen bases, within 10, the number of bases that he stole. Within 10. 66. Yeah, See, you and I went down the same. I, I said 70, and my friend Joe was saying, no, it's like 135. And I'm going, oh, there's no way he could steal 135 bases, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and Joe was was kind of assertive about this, but I <clears throat> I knew better. It couldn't be that many. Well, it's actually 130. So okay. if I had if followed my friend Joe, if I and, and this is my public mea culpa, I, I, just, I made the executive decision to captain, and I was wrong. So I, I cost us three points. That's not what really did us in. What did us in is on the very last question, and I had no clue about this, the, it's there's the tropic of there's the what they call the Cancer line and the um, Capricorn line they're they're like latitude things and the question was which one runs through the country of Niger and my 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 friends again Joe who I'm apologizing to publicly for talking him off of that and his wife Janet they were sure that the answer to this was um, Capricorn fifty fifty and it wasn't <laughs> so
2: it, but. Was it, did it come down to one question? Like, was that the one where...
1: Well, what happened was, at the end of it, they have like a final Jeopardy thing where you can bet 15 oh, yeah, points. Yeah. And we we nailed the final one, but we were, we were behind going in. So the team, there was a team, we were in fourth going in, moved up to, to second, but the team ahead of us, it was ahead of us by five points. If we had that six points, we, we would have won. But we got free drinks out of it anyway. So there was a value You, you to guys that. are good at the trivia thing. I... Yes, and well, see, and I'm I have this. I am a font of useless but important information. I, I have I have a lot of pop culture knowledge and and stuff like that. Um, uh, for example, one of the questions, the halftime question, it was four answers. Each one involves a doc, D O C, and the question was okay, a type of footwear. That's you know known for its like it ends with s- DOC. Well, no, it starts with that. So like like, like to get gi- like to give you an idea, it, the, that the answer for the shoes were Doc Martens. Okay, I got that. Another one was you know he invented in and in according to one movie he invented in 1985 he invented the first time machine. Doc Brown. Doc Brown. Very yeah. good. Ning ning. He was a dentist and a gunfighter in the old west.
2: Oh, this one's gonna kill me because I'm not gonna be able to think of it. But I know it, Doc Holliday.
1: Doc Holliday. Okay, ding, ding, all, right, ding, ding. all right. So I, I nailed those three, and then the, the fourth one was in the 2000 movie Cars. This was a like a retired race car.
2: Oh, this one's gonna hurt. I have I, a I have a nine year old nephew. I
1: I've seen cars five hundred times. See, I, I had no clue, and, and nobody at our table. And I'm, and I'm going to the people. I mean, I'm going to the people who have like young kids, grandkids, and stuff. But come on, you guys had had to see this multiple times. Okay, my producer Charlie is waving his hand adamantly. Okay, you knew the answer to this. What would it be? Doc Hudson. Doc Hudson. I could have sat there all night and not come up with Doc Hudson, but you were right. That would have been two additional points as, as well. Uh, I'll have to take you to this, but you're right. Doc Hudson. That was the that was the that was the thing. But you know, we were. Um, it, it's really and the way it works is you can assign points and these things. And it, the the one that ended up killing us was the Tropic of Capricorn, Tropic of Cancer. But I had no clue. Just no, I had no idea. Yeah,
2: you, you I didn't know those even existed. Right. So I, I, yeah. I, I
1: had no idea. But yeah, we do we we typically do okay and i what i've done is the people that we invite to play have knowledge in areas that i don't cuz i freely admit when you, when you hear things like like world geography mm-hmm. and you know, that put stuff in order, like what happened? Did Marco Polo, you know, did, did he do what he did before the Spanish Inquisition and stuff? I, I just, I don't know that kind of stuff. So I, I try to find people who can, you know, and they're friends of ours, but they kind of like fill in those those giant knowledge gaps that I have.
2: So you're captain
1: and also general manager of the trivia team. I am captain <laughs> and general, because we, we will invite people. I am captain and general manager, but I, I always feel like I publicly have to acknowledge um, that, that um public have the knowledge when I, I get things wrong. And I was I was just kicking myself about the Michael Jackson one and um yeah, and then to. and then talking my buddy off of the Ricky Henderson Henderson thing. Or not even talking him off. He knew he was right, but he was kind enough to let me be wrong. As you do to your captain. Absolutely. The captain knows. And the captain is at least willing to own that. But that's what we did last night. We had trivia. It's always a lot. Of, I, I enjoy trivia quite a bit, you know. It's just always a. It's always kind of a lot of fun. All right. Tell you what. Let us take a very quick break, and then we're going to get a little bit lighter as the as the program progresses. But before that, there there is a very serious topic that I want to discuss with you. And my question is, has this issue jumped the shark? I will explain. We will discuss. Hey, Wisconsin, can you feel it? It's gotten colder outside, which means it's the last week for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase presented by Great Midwest Bank. This week, we are featuring Kohler Services. You can visit their website at Kohlerserviceswi.com to find out more. It's the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase on Wisconsin's radio station, 620 WTMJ. By the way, it is the last week of the fall version of this. We do it in the fall and spring. And I do want to say a special thank you once again to all our our advertisers, our partners, who many of whom have been with us for years on that, and of course our marketing consultants who line that up, I, I enjoy doing this, and I expect that we will probably do something similar in the spring. All right, I've, I've made this point before. It This election, if you are a Democrat running for office, it's really become about one thing, because the, the truth of the matter is, Joe Biden, the president, is extremely unpopular. That, that's just the reality. The economy right now is a mess. Now, you can you can argue about whether or not, you know, the president is a potted plant and whether he, he has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, gas prices are where they are and inflation is 8.2 percent and all these things. You, you can have that argument, but it's not like you can go to the American people and make this argument saying, hey, hey, things are great because th- things aren't great, you know, and so – that that's an issue that does not cut well for, you know, the the party in power, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. So right now there's a huge headwind that Democrats are running into. The issue that has become a national issue for Democrats is after the Dobbs decision, which is the Supreme Court's decision that overruled Roe versus Wade. It's now become all abortion all the time. If you look at the ads that are being run, not just in Wisconsin, but across the country, a good portion of them, the last numbers I saw were about 40% of the ads were abortion-themed ads. So-and-so is too radical on abortion, blah, 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 abortion, abortion this, abortion that, whatever, to the point that, you know, even where you have candidates like, for example, Ron Johnson, who is extremely moderate on the question of abortion. Ron Johnson's called for a statewide referendum to determine, you know, where— you know where Wisconsin should should be on this but even that it's it's like oh ron johnson abortion 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 cuz i don't know that there's much else that you know democrats have that that they can run on and so that's why you see it seems like every second ad that you find that's run as an attack ad against a republican is raising the issue of abortion one of the things that you're starting to see in the polls is the Republicans are starting to either pull away or catch up. And again, you can, you can take polls with a grain of salt. But it appears at least that as far as the issue of abortion goes, and, and by the way, when, when they do polls of voters and they ask, okay, what's, what is your top five concerns? Uh, abortion comes in like six or seven. So, I mean, and I understand that there are some people who are very, very passionate about the question of, of abortion. And there's, uh, and there's some people who are very passionately you know, pro-abortion, and there's some people who are very par- passionately you know, anti-abortion. So I, I, I get that. But it's not an issue, which is even in the top five for most of the voters. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Has the issue of abortion kind of jumped the shark. In, in other words, you know, how many more, for example, anti oh so and so is radical on abortion. How many more of those ads do people need to see? Is that really if we assume that there might be 2 or 3 or 4% of the electorate that's out there that's still persuadable, is the abortion issue going to move the needle? Or when we look back two and a half weeks from now, will we say, oh, okay, this was overdone. This was an issue that clearly was important to some people. But, but the idea that it was going to be powerful enough to sway an election, it, will people come to regret Making, trying to make this the main issue in the 2022 elections. And are you tired? Regardless of how you feel on this question, are you sick of the abortion ads? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855 That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Jeff, I think the plan isn't to persuade regular voters. The plan by emphasizing abortion is to get young people who don't vote to vote. Uh, that, that's always, uh, that That's always a, that's always a tougher, that, that's a tougher issue. So the idea is going to be, you know, we're, we're going to, again, this is the way that we're going to like juice the, the young vote by saying, okay, we, we want to preserve the right for abortion. Maybe, But that's that's a tougher way to go. What you normally want to do is you want to normally try to find those other voters that are persuadable and, you know, then encourage them. But maybe, maybe, Jeff, this is the only issue the Democrats have. Their policies on everything else have been failures. Now, that that is a fair question because if you were going to say to me, okay, Jeff, if it wasn't going to be abortion, let's say that you were the the strategist for – I don't know some, just that generic Democrat running for office, and you've got Joe Biden who is the president, and nobody wants Joe Biden to come out and campaign for him because he's a drag on the ticket. So, all right, what what are you going to run on? You're not going to run on the economy. You're not going to run on the border. You're certainly not going to run on crime. So, the question would be, okay, what are you going to run on? I think that's a fair question, and I, I don't I don't know what you would run on, which I don't know what issue that's out there that you as a Democrat are going to run on in 2022, which is going to you know motivate people to come out and vote. You see some of it with the Trump thing and that's it. Well, this is, this is nothing but, you know, Donald Trump redo. And that's what this candidate is in an effort to try to, again, appeal to people who, you know, didn't like Donald Trump. That's a tougher sell because Trump isn't of course on the ballot and he's not in office. So I guess that's the second sort of argument, but it, seems to me that that doesn't overcome what what are the, the the two overriding issues here one is of course the economy and i mean it goes back to bill clinton in 1992 you know bill clinton had to sign up and said it's the economy stupid you know and whenever he wanted to go talk about some of the other things his advisors would always bring him back to say hey it's the economy stupid that's the economy comma <laughs> stupid you know don't just, you know, remember because people are going to be voting their pocketbooks and you know, when you've got gas prices where they are and you've got an inflationary rate of eight point two percent or whatever, that's what's impacting people. So I it you know, the oh, this guy's nothing but a Donald Trump election denier, that that might appeal to a certain segment of the electorate, but it doesn't I don't know that that moves the needle with the type of people that you're trying to get out and and get to vote. And maybe it's those suburban women, for example, who were sympathetic and liked some of the Donald Trump policies, but just got worn out, for example, by the chaos that was there. Jeff, I'm sick of the abortion issue. First of all, it probably is, it's not even an issue anymore for, most people. Um, about half of voters, I'm sure, have made up their minds already and aren't going to be persuaded either way. So the never-ending ads just drive me up the wall. Jeff, inflation and the destruction of my savings affects me all day, every day. Very, very discouraging. Abortion is not even on my radar. Let people spend money foolishly trying to convince me this is an issue that I should care about. The answer would be no. know, that's the other thing, and this is This is not covered in the mainstream media. Now, I understand, and I'm already on record, I'm I'm more moderate on this issue than I think a lot of people are, and I think ultimately, I think Wisconsin ultimately is going to settle on some form of allowable elective abortions uh, along the lines of 14 or 15 or 16 weeks, which is where like 95% of the abortions are done. I don't know how quite we get there, but but I think that's where we're going to end up. But the story that's never written in the mainstream media is the reality that Now, pretty much anybody in Wisconsin who wants an abortion can get an abortion. You, you you drive down to Illinois and Planned Parenthood, and I understand that might be an inconvenience. Planned Parenthood, you know, it has has money around. They're 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 making arrangements to send people down to Waukegan to have it done. I, I haven't seen too many. I don't think I've seen any story of somebody over the last couple months in Wisconsin who wanted to get an abortion but has come forward and said I wasn't able to do it because you, you can do it. It's an inconvenience, which is one of the reasons why I think we need to be. We, it doesn't make any sense for Wisconsin to be an anti-abortion island when you can travel to Illinois, you can travel to Minnesota, you can travel to Michigan and, and have the procedure done. To me, that's just an unnecessary inconvenience. But it is it is an inconvenience. Somebody who wants to do this, there there are ways to do it. And there are organizations, if you can't afford to make that your travel arrangements, they will pay that for you. Which is why I said sort of tongue-in-cheek, if Democrats really cared about this issue, maybe all they need to really do is take you know, two days of spending that they've been doing on the anti-abortion ads and put it into a fund which would allow people who couldn't otherwise have the funds to travel to travel and then you don't have the problem. But that's just me. We'll know in two and a half weeks whether this all-abortion, all-the-time strategy has worked or not. My guess is probably not. Just a couple final thoughts on the abortion issue. One of our textures said, how many abortions are performed in Wisconsin in a year? And the number, the, the number is, it, it's, Depending on the year, but somewhere between sixty two hundred and like seven thousand, uh, more closer more to the lower end, but it, it varies from from year to year. That's that's how many abortions. Are performed under row were performed in Wisconsin. That doesn't count women from Wisconsin who might have gone out of state to have the abortions, but it would include people from, for example, Illinois who came up to Wisconsin to get it. But that's the number. It's like 6,200 to 7,000. Here's one of my favorite texts of the day You people will see how much the abortion issue affects the election. Women 18 to 30 are just waiting. And my response was, You people. And just who would us people be? Just wondering. And we'll, we'll know in two and a half weeks. I mean, Democrats are pretty much all in on the all-abortion, all-the-time strategy. And I guess we'll, we'll see whether that works or not. And we'll be able to tell in two weeks. If you're looking at the polls, it appears that, that that as an issue has kind of jumped the shark. And that seems to be the conventional wisdom. But who knows? Who knows what could happen? All right. I've been waiting all day to discuss this story with you. Tempe, Arizona, Arizona State University. Arizona State is one of the most notorious, and I don't use the word notorious in a bad way. I use the word notorious as in famous. It is one of the most famous party schools in the country. Um, I was talking to someone just the other day Who was recounting how they took their son to visit Arizona State University, and they were describing to me how, in in the space of like five or ten minutes, as they're walking across campus, they saw more—his son saw just more stunningly beautiful women than he had ever seen in one place at one time, and it was like it was—and I—and he immediately assumed that this was. You know, this is how it always was at Arizona State, and they were just talking about the different parties and things like that. Um, it's, it's very, very—so it's, it's a great party school. Um, it's, it's probably a good—I take no position on whether it's a good school beyond that, but it's, it's famous for being a party school. But here's one of the things that they are doing at the University of—at uh, Arizona State— what they're doing is they have made a decision that what they're going to do is they're going to open up one of their dorms, one of their their housing complexes. They are going to open it up to seniors. So it's um, it, it's one of the the dorms. They describe it as the, the world's coolest dorm, and it's um, th- these are like high end apartments that are in this dorm. Um, housing at Mirabella, that's what it calls, requires a one-time fee that goes from, it starts at $440,000 and goes up to a, a million bucks. So, I mean, this is like high-end senior living. It is on the campus of Arizona State. Um, if you are a resident there, in addition to the one-time fee to get you in, you have to pay another four dollars to $8,000 a month, which includes all the classes that you want to take and and meals. It's restricted to seniors. Residents have to be 62 years old or older. It is one of the country's few senior living facilities that's set on a college campus. And the intention behind this is we are going to mix older and younger generations by design. And um, you've got 260 residents right now that, that are living on campus. So these are people who are 62 years or older, and they have paid a boatload of money to be in this particular situation. Okay, what could possibly go wrong with this? Now, on, on the one hand, you're thinking, hey, all right, you, you've got this really nice housing facility. This, this is high-end senior housing, and um, you've got this this vibrancy that you're on the campus of this huge community that has all these different resources that are there. It's Tempe, Arizona, so you've got wonderful weather. You've got all the different food services stuff that's out there. You know, so w- what could what could possibly go wrong with this? Wouldn't this be the ideal situation? Well, if you think about this for a minute, what could go wrong? Well, here here's the problem. Apparently, the 260 people who have moved in and spent all this money, they are complaining because it's too loud. Some have complained about music that blasts into the night. They're complaining about the parties. They're complaining about the noise. They're complaining about, hey, you know, there's all these college kids That are making all sorts of noise. Now, Arizona State was crowned the nation's top party school by Playboy magazine in twenty and in two thousand two. Students celebrate that when the football team wins, they celebrate just about anything else late into the night, whooping it up at local bars and restaurants. One hot spot I'm looking at a story here, Shady Park, is across the street from this senior's dorm, well within earshot. Um, seniors are are claiming that, hey, this is loud, you know, there's loud music, there's party, the kids are drinking till 2 o'clock in the morning. We cannot get our rest. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Okay, so so here's the deal. The idea is we're going to set up this high-end senior living. We're going to put it on campus. We're going to um, say, okay, it's, it's lifetime learning. You can take all the classes that you want. You know, you can study bioengineering. You can styr, uh, study, you know, politics, whatever you want to do. You can participate in all this great stuff, and you can interact with all these younger people. But the problem is a lot of these seniors are saying, huh, These younger people are out there partying. It's 10 o'clock at night. You know, we want to go to bed. We can't sleep because 2 o'clock in the morning, they're still having parties. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Okay, here's my question. Are you sympathetic to the seniors who have decided, I'm going to move into a high-end apartment complex paying a ton of money, on a college campus, and not just any college campus—college campus of AES, Arizona State University, you know, recognized by Playboy as the top party school in the country—you buy this place, you move in, and then you find that it's loud. Are you sympathetic, or is this? Does this just come with the territory? Does that? Doesn't this just scream? Okay, you got to understand. There's all sorts of different things you you want. You want excitement. You want the vibe. You want to be, you know, have access to the school facilities. If, you, if you're living in what is essentially a glorified high-end dorm, shouldn't you expect that there's going to be noise? Or is the idea, hey, you know, I— I, I wouldn't tolerate this if I was living at an apartment you know, complex downtown and there were noisy bars and there were parties that were going on. I'd be calling the cops and complaining about it. Do the seniors have a legitimate beef? 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line, wherever a texter says, hey, I, I'm, I'm thinking of... Uh, Getting a place on Mifflin Street, right by the U- the UW campus when I retire. Think that's going to be noisy? Let's talk to Mike in Richfield. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing?
1: Good. What do you think? Okay, so uh, they spend a ton of money. They're living in this really, really <laughs> fancy dorm-slash-apartment, and they're complaining that, um, okay, it's loud.
0: Okay, in a word, duh, <laughs> you bought that apartment on campus... You know the atmosphere, and if you're doing it, you know, as you say, for all the classes you can take for lifetime, you could get a place in a much quieter setting and pay the money for all the classes and spend far less. Yeah, I mean... And if you want to do it just to look at the beautiful women there, you the campus is open to the public. Wander on campus anytime you want.
1: Yeah, you know, Mike, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm sitting there thinking there, if you want... If you want an active lifestyle, but you want stuff that's going to wind down at 10 o'clock, there's a place called The Villages in Florida that you can go to. You know, I mean, you, you exactly. go to The Villages. You, you you don't go to the the heart of the things they call it. you. don't go to the heart of the Arizona State campus. And I guess I, I, there, there's a I'll read some of the text. We're getting swamped with text. But, but there's a this story that I'm talking about appeared a couple of days ago in The Wall Street Journal. And, and there's a letter today um, regarding retirees to Arizona State say, shh. My late husband, Frank Plentker, in the early 1980s was a member of the Tempe City Council who chaired the first redevelopment committee to reimagine downtown Tempe. It was designed as a walking, dining, bar-heavy area relying on Arizona State University's looming presence. Student housing is everywhere. Mass transit brings even more people to the campus. Streets are packed. Pubs, bars, and outdoor cafes are overflowing with resulting noise part of the environment. Anyone wishing to retire and live quietly in a beautiful senior tower should never consider Mirabella. It's but a couple blocks from the ASU football stadium. Everything is geared to the under 25 crowd. We considered Mirabella. We even took a tour. But as 35-year residents of Tempe, we knew how seniors would react to marching bands, cheering football fans, nonstop partying, roaring car engines, and no lights out at 9 p.m. Um, Come on, folks, stop the legal fighting as yes, they're trying to sue. Tempe's downtown was designed for students and was there before your tower was built. Might I suggest that you come join us in, out in Fountain Hills where we roll up the sidewalks at 7 p.m.? You can get a good night's sleep and audit classes remotely. Yeah, now, see, that's I, I guess that was my reaction. A number of people are, are making this point about, about you know, it, it's kind of like, gee, I'm going to buy a house in next to the airport and and then I'm going to complain when it's loud or I'm going to buy a house with a railroad track in the backyard and then I'm going to complain that the train makes noises those are all you know very very valid points you you make you make these various decisions. Um, Jeff, you move near a hospital or a fire station, you'll hear sirens. You move near an airport, you'll hear planes. You move near a church, you'll hear bells. You live on or near a university campus, you'll get everything that comes with living near a ton of uh, students. Jeff, I just bought beachfront property in Panama City. Can somebody tell those spring breakers to put some clothes on and pipes down? Well, that that that's it, and it's, I guess... It's not like this is some sort of surprise, and, and and look, and I I understand actually why for some people this might be a cool thing. You know, you you say, okay, look, I I don't want to retire to the typical senior living community. I it keeps me young. I want to move into this place, and I want to I want to be in the middle of the action. I I want to. Be able to you know go out and see all this activity you know being around the younger people keeps me young and I, and I'm going to be willing to live with the fact that there might be some late night parties that I'm not going to go to this is I mean this is the the whole idea behind all this Jeff so if you buy a house next to a farm, there will be mud on the roads and and maybe some other smells as well Jeff, it's their fountain of use, youth. youth live it up or turn the hearing aid down. Ouch, um Jeff, I'm sixty-eight years old. I would do it. I don't want to hang out with people my age. Well see, and again, I, I think that there's again there there's a certain you know element of, of that. And you're 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 trying to you're trying to to find that balance. And it's going to be different for all of us. Would I want to have a second place on a you know in, in the middle of like the Arizona State College campus? No, I, I don't think that would be for me. But at the same time I, I also you know, don't want to be in a place where there, there's nothing going on after seven o'clock, and everybody goes out, and you have the early bird dinner. So, like when we were looking for our second place, we we aggressively tried to to find that that sort of middle ground. No, there's not going to be parties at two o'clock in the morning, but they're also not going to roll up the sidewalk at six o'clock. And that's but that's the balancing, um, Jeff. This is like people who live by the airport and complain about the noise. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that that's out there. And I actually think this is kind of a great idea. Jeff, they're college kids. Let them be kids. By the way, get off my lawn, too. Well, there is kind of an element of that that kind of get off my lawn. Um, that's it. Somebody says take later classes and sleep in. Jeff, I can't think of why we want to pay that much money to live next to drunken party animals, and I'm over 62. It sounds like a lot of grief. Well, I'm sure that there are at the same time you know maybe you want to relive your your misspent youth and maybe you know you're in retirement and that's what you want to do you want to hang out and you want to you you think you know hanging out around the the college kids and stuff is going to help you feel young and all those type of things and i respect that if that's for you but this isn't exactly a surprise you can't just move into this place and then start to complain about hey there's loud parties and there's loud noise that's what makes it attractive you're on you know a college campus and if you don't Want that experience? Well, and you've got four hundred and forty thousand to a million dollars for a buy-in. I guarantee you that there are all sorts of other places that are out there that much might be much more suited to your liking. So, bottom line is, if you're looking for that party experience and you've got half a million to a million dollars plus six to eight thousand dollars a month, I've got the place for you. It's on the campus at Arizona State University. But if you expect that the sidewalks are going to roll up at seven o'clock. Um, You might want to rethink that. One of our listeners in St. Francis says, Jeff, you know, that story you were talking about the seniors who want to move in on the Arizona State campus and now are, they spend all this money and they're in this like sort of high end senior living complex in the heart of the campus. And now they're complaining about the noise and the partying stuff says it reminds me of the old Rodney Dangerfield movie Back to School which was, by the way, said it, at UW-Madison. That's where they filmed it. You know, what did these people expect? that's exactly that. Back to school is Rodney Dangerfield is, I don't know, he's a, I think he he made, the character he plays is this rich guy who, you know, sells like big and tall men's clothes or something like that and is really crude and stuff like that. And he he ends up going back to school and he's on the campus and he wants to participate on the diving team of all things. It's a silly movie. But yeah, that's it. He's, he, he's on campus and, you know, you get the whole experience. Hey, there's going to be partying and there's going to be all sorts of stuff like that that's out there. Um, we're going to lighten it up in the next hour of the program. We've got some fun topics and, of course, it leads into our pop culture corner at 2.30. I, I did want to mention something because we had referred to it before. The uh, Joe Biden it, it rolled out, of course, his... Uh, effort to try to buy votes by student loan forgiveness, you know if you you know if your family makes up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year uh, I will have the taxpayers pick up the tab for twenty thousand dollars of your student loan debt it, it's it, it was an effort I think to buy votes it it hasn't worked out like they planned. I think there's been a huge backlash. I also believe that it, it's just patently illegal I, I just i don't think that the president has the authority to do that. The problem is finding the legal theory, and the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, Will, who, who takes a lot of these cases, they had tried to get the case in front of the Supreme Court yesterday, and that effort got shot down. The problem is is, is standing. What that means is, you, in order to, to bring a lawsuit, you have to find somebody who has been adversely affected by this. And the Supreme Court has all this precedent that says that a taxpayer doesn't have standing to sue the government on a policy merely because it's going to cost them more tax dollars. So that's that's the struggle. I think there's a lot of us that believe that that Biden does not have the authority to do what he did. But the trick is – Finding a plaintiff who can sue and will have standing, and finding a way to get it into the court, and it's not as easy as you might think. But anyhow, you know, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty tried to get this case in front of the Supreme Court on what they call their shadow docket, and um, uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, you know, rejected that; wouldn't wouldn't take it. And again, the problem right now is finding finding that plaintiff who can prove that they. They were essentially injured by this. Now, the truth is we're all injured by this, but under the law, just paying more in taxes isn't enough to get you into court. I still think there's going to be a theory. I think this is going to get into court, and I think it's ultimately going to be overruled, but just not today or not tomorrow. All right, lots of fun stuff coming up in the next hour. Please don't go anywhere. Live from the Annex Wealth Management
0: Studios at The Avenue. It's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. If I were to offer any advice to the judge, Jennifer Doro, in Waukesha County Circuit Court, who, by the way, I think has done an exceptional job in handling this Daryl Brooks case, I think she's stamping herself out as a future judicial star for you know, other, you know, higher office issues you choose to seek it, and the prosecution, which I think has done a remarkable job as well about presenting its evidence in the face of a psychopath who is also a narcissist who is, you know, doing everything he can to disrupt the proceedings. If I were to offer them any advice, it would be five words. Get to the finish line. Um, as Mike was telling you, I mean, now that Darrell Brooks is, quote-unquote, presenting his defense case, and i say that in defense case in in air quotation marks but what what's happening is as the trial starts to wind down brooks is becoming more agitated more aggressive more confrontational which is is to be expected because um this is Look, let's face it, this is a slow guilty plea. There's no question about his his guilt and there's no question about what's gonna happen. He's gonna be convicted and then he's he's gonna be going off to prison for the rest of his life, hopefully. And what's gonna happen here is as it gets closer to that, you know that there's going to be more and more acting out as he continues to grasp at straws and try to, again, get his 15 minutes of fame. So um, I, I think m- my advice would be just, just, you wanna get past this. Because it's going to probably be another day or two where there's going to be outbursts and things of of the like and really aggressive and yelling and shouting and all that type of stuff. And then just just get this thing to the jury. I think as of what's happened so far, I think the judge— has done a really good job of of preserving the record, that's what we'd call it, to make sure that when there is a conviction, there's not going to be a reversal. If you were listening let, yesterday, we were talking about the Brooks case, and one of our texters asked the question about appeal, which is, okay, is he going to be able to file an appeal? And the answer to that is yes. Of course, you know, every criminal defendant gets a gets a chance to file an appeal. the The thing that's going to be, I think, is, particularly aggravating in this case, but it's the way the system works, is that Daryl Brooks will have an attorney paid for by us, the taxpayers, to represent him on the appeal. So even though he's decided that he wanted to represent himself and ended up firing two very, very competent attorneys, he, he will now have the taxpayers hire somebody who will argue on his behalf, undoubtedly, that he received ineffective assistance of counsel, that the judge was erroneous in allowing him to represent himself, because clearly he he wasn't competent to do that. That's what the argument is going to be, all in an effort to try to get him a new trial. Now, I, I don't think that that's going to go anywhere. It, it's I, And so, I mean, ultimately, I, I haven't seen, in what I've been watching of the trial, I haven't seen anything... That the prosecution has done, which might raise an issue of reversible error. I think the judge has been very, very patient in, you know, a- allowing Brooks to go on his various tirades and things like that. So I- I'm very confident that this case... Is going to be upheld on, on appeal, and that hopefully, you know, pretty soon Daryl Brooks just becomes sort of the the afterthought and just an asterisk in this, you know, horrible story about what what's going on in Waukesha and the people who've lost their lives. The thing that I find perhaps most frustrating about this entire discussion is. You know, we, we talk about Brooks, we talk about his antics, but lost in this is the fact that six people lost their lives because of him and countless others, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of other people, had their lives changed forever, whether it was by injuries or trauma or whatever. And, and that's what we always need to not lose sight of, the fact that you've got this psychopath who's enjoying strutting, you know, on, on his stage and enjoying being on court TV and I'm sure getting some kick out of, you know, being featured on the nightly news and things like that. He's enjoying all this, but what we don't want to lose sight of again is the fact that, you know, there, he he caused just incalculable damage and he really is, is a monster. And so I guess to the extent anybody's watching this trial and and seeing some sort of entertainment value in it, because he's just so out of control that you got to get past that because there's people dead because of him. He is a psychopathic monster and, as I've argued before, I mean, I, there's no secret I'm a death penalty proponent. If there was ever a case that screamed out to me for the death penalty, th- this is that case and Daryl Brooks is that defendant. But we don't have that in Wisconsin, so he will be convicted and he will spend the rest of his natural life as a guest of the taxpayers in a prison facility where we will provide him with access to libraries and three meals a day and TV and exercise and things of the like. Um, whether or not that's justice or not, I'll let other people decide. Okay, in the, a little bit of a fun topic. In the last segment of, of the show, I was talking about the, these, these seniors who you know moved into the, this high-end facility on the campus of Arizona State University. They paid a bunch of money, and now they're complaining that it's too loud. You know, they're, they're, the kids are partying and stuff. And I think our general reaction was, well, what did you think was going to happen? I, this is kind of the flip side of this story, and I have noticed it around here. And there's a story in the Chicago Tribune that kind of brings this home. I don't—look, I, I, I'll be the first to admit that um, there. My, my days of staying out till 2 o'clock in the morning and closing bars are, are long, long gone. <laughs> Be the first, because if I if I would do something like that, there's times when I'm out really really late. It takes me a couple of days just to get over that. So I'm I'm always very very mindful of that. But one of the things that I used I, I freely admit that I, I used to like to do is after like after you go to let, let's say you go to a uh, you go to a, a Marquette basketball game and they're they're playing early, so it's like the six o'clock game. Game ends at like eight or eight thirty. You know, you're driving home, and you're not quite ready to go home, so you decide, I'm going to stop off, I, I want to get a burger and a beer, or, or something like that. You want to, I'm not talking about the really late night stuff, but even the, okay, it's 8.30 or 9 o'clock type of stuff. I don't know about you, but on those occasions where that happens, I can rarely, unless I'm finding, talking about like a George Webbs or something like that, you know, like a 24-hour diner. I am amazed at how difficult it is to find bars slash restaurants which are, you know, open like past 9 o'clock or 9.30 at night. Now, I'm I'm sure maybe, you know, on the east side and stuff, there's things like that. But in general, it's tougher to find. And I've just been noticing that because it's like, okay, well, we've got done. We've been somewhere or whatever. like to stop off and have a drink. It's 9 o'clock at night. Well, all all these places are are kind of closed, or they're they're closing, or you walk in and they kind of look at you like, okay, you know, what are you doing here? Don't you realize we're about to close? This story in the Chicago Tribune, here's the headline. Last call for late night, customers are back, but bars and restaurants are closing earlier as they find demand dwindles. And then it goes on to talk about all these these different bars in the Chicago area and restaurants, particularly you know, after the pandemic, who are are making this decision? That you know, normally they'd serve till eleven o'clock at night, or normally the bar would be open till midnight, or something like that. And now they're they're saying we're we're, we're just not doing that anymore. It, it's just not something we're doing. We don't have the late night customers to begin with, and we're having trouble finding employees to begin with. So that this idea of this nine o'clock, ten o'clock, going to the bars, eating, it, it's just I mean, if you can find a place, and I'm sure there are places that are open like that, but not many. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. Have you noticed that happening? You know, places that used to be open till 10 or 11 o'clock at night or or whatever, now you you wander in at 830 or 9 o'clock, and it's like, okay, they're they're closing. Sorry, kitchen's closed. You're out of luck. You know, if you want a beer and you drink it quickly, you can have it. Um, Is there... Outside of some of the the highlights of the entertainment districts and stuff, is this the new normal that you know after eight thirty or nine, you you go to a you go to a show and you want to grab a pizza or something like that after the seven thirty movie and it's nine thirty or ten o'clock at night, you know, good luck. Have you noticed that? And would there be a market for I don't know, staying out a little later? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss. which is the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. I I mean, I've been noticing this. The Chicago Tribune is writing about it. If you're... You, you you know look I, I understand my, my days of staying out till two o'clock in the morning are or, or long gone but but even you, you go to that seven thirty movie you, you get done the movie lets out it's ten o'clock at night you want to go grab a drink you want to go grab a pizza I, I, the, your chances of finding a place like that are are becoming much more difficult the places just aren't staying open as long are you noticing that let's start with Todd in Brookfield Todd you're on WTMJ good afternoon.
3: Good, sir. Thank you for taking the call. Sure. I have, we've been noticing that for quite some time, and it just got worse after the pandemic. We moved out uh, from Milwaukee to Brookfield back in 92. And at that time, by 1992 already, I, I grew up in Waukesha County, and the 24-hour places along Blue Mound Road were gone. Yeah. They, they were just they, they were just gone. I, it, it And now, uh, with the labor shortages that they're experiencing, George Webb's, which was, as you mentioned, always the place that, in a worst-case scenario, you could find open. Even some of the George Webb restaurants are closing down now because they can't get staffed.
1: Yeah, and, and there's really much less—and I'm not even talking about, like, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, the bar time. I'm talking no. about it's, it's 10 o'clock, the movie you, the movie is now ended, and you want to—I I, I don't know where you go for dates and stuff. You know, you, you want to go grab a well, beer and a burger or a pizza or something.
3: Exactly, we pretty much call this area out here that you know it's the mayberry of of Wisconsin because <laughs> we kid around about it there's just there's nothing nothing happening after eight p m <laughs> yeah. everything just closes down
1: well, you know it, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who runs a restaurant, and you know th- there is a there is a prime time and that's like five thirty to seven o'clock you know and if you want to try to get a reservation between five thirty and seven good luck but if you're willing to say hey i'll come in at 8:15 they're like well okay but you might have to eat quickly because you know you 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 will close down the place if you start eating at 8:15 sure. <laughs> yeah yep. thanks yeah thanks to call i appreciate it. I, I i guess and i'm i'm i've been noticing that as well 855-616-1620 uh, jeff i've noticed that since the pandemic not only is it nearly impossible to find bars and restaurants open after 8 or 9 p.m but also many many drive-throughs are closed by then plus many of the former 24-hour stores like walmart and meyer now close by the 11 uh, by 11 little hope for the late nights jeff i suspect that many people re-examine many of their entertainment habits during the pandemic not just spending money but the wisdom of hanging out till three o'clock the effects of the pandemic are going going to last for years. And again, I I look, I I get the three o'clock thing, but even at my advanced age, there's, again, the the movie ends at 930 at night. I could easily see, hey, hon, let's, you know, let's, let's go over, let's have a drink or let's have a pizza or something like that. And your, your options for doing that, you know, you try to find a place that's going to be open for that. And you walk in at 930 at night and it's, it's not, um, Great. Jeff, I've noticed this as well. I think it's related to not being able to get enough staff. Um, you know, I used to get my car serviced on Saturdays at a dealership. They don't have that anymore because they can't find somebody to work. And I, I think that's probably fair, and it, and I think it's, it's twofold. First of all, you probably do have less demand. People kind of got out of the habit of going out, and they're not back to that stage yet. So you've got that going on. So you've probably got fewer people that are, again, showing up after the movie at at 9:30 at night looking to grab something to eat and a couple drinks so you've got that going on and then you've got the the problem the shortage of staff so it's kind of like okay well you know if if i'm not going to have that many people that are being here that, does it make any sense to stay open until midnight. Jeff, we have a couple of fast food restaurants in the Waukesha um, area that close early. I'm talking about 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock. They just can't find help. Jeff, I work at a bar and grill. Closing earlier in the past is a result of several things. Fewer employees, fewer late-night patrons, employees being afraid, wanting to be home earlier, and increased crime. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there there's an element of that. Let's talk to Scott in Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yep.
0: Uh, good afternoon. Yeah, the the trend that I noticed uh at early on as coming out of the pandemic was places would just close for a whole day altogether. Yep. They just wouldn't open. Yep. Just to give their staffs a break. That's uh that was the biggest thing I noticed. And then other places they would they would start cutting a little like they would they would shorten the food serving hours mm-hmm. but the bar would stay open. Yeah. Or, I, or uh, a former a former place that I worked at, uh, Eddie Martini's, I'll say it out loud. Sure. Bob, uh, they didn't basically for lunches. And lunches mm-hmm. used to be big business there, and they don't even open for lunch anymore.
1: Yeah, for all,
3: you know, several of those reasons.
0: Yeah,
1: no, thank, you know, I think you're, you're on to something. I mean, I, I've noticed that as well, that restaurants, that, that there's places that I would go to that used to be open six days a week, let's say they they close on Monday or they close on Sunday, are now open like four days a week. So now it's like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that sort of stuff. Jeff, COVID changed restaurant hours. I don't believe they're going to return to late night dining anytime soon. Um, That's it. Jeff, I think they can't find employees to work at nights. I'm sure that's not why, I'm sure that's why some of those places aren't Open Jeff, I guess nightlife is history. It seemed really odd this summer when some places closed at eight or nine and it was still daylight well that's that 's it now I, I look i have no I have no doubt that i mean there 's places that you can go and if if you 're on you know if you 're in the deer district and you 're on Water Street and you know you you, you want to go out i 'm sure you can find places that are open to ten or eleven or, or maybe later but I, I think a lot of the places that a lot of us used to patronize. Not, again, 2 o'clock in the morning. they're, They're just not there anymore, or they're not open anymore, or they're not serving food or things. Um, And I think it's just kind of an interesting situation. Jeff, I understand why, but I do think it's interesting that so many businesses are closing early. Also, not just food places, but gas stations, et cetera. It's all due to a lack of employees and unemployment extremely low, but they're not there. Jeff, my small town Burger King is open from 1030 to five o'clock. Drive through only no dining service at all. You really want to have to plan ahead if you want that Burger King Burger, Um, Jeff, on Wednesday evening, my companions and I discussed the same thing following our leaving a play at the Milwaukee Rep. There was no way to go for a dessert, where to go for a dessert at 930. Okay, yeah, so the Rep is downtown. Now, it's kind of like, okay, we want to find a place... You know, we're not going to be there till two o'clock in the morning. We're not looking for a nightclub or something like that. We just want to go and we want to have, you know, whatever we want to have and, you know, and maybe a glass of wine or something like that. And it's 930 and it's downtown and and they can't find um, they can't find a place. Like that now, some people are suggesting some folks that stay open the places stay open, including a couple pa- places that I love to patronize balustries on Blue Mound stays open late, only closed on Tuesdays. great food and staff you know, I agree, Jeff going out to places is really habit forming and I can't tell you how many places with changing their hours we've just quit going because we never know when they're open that's always a you know that's always an, an issue that that I have that's that's what were we talking about? My wife and I were talking about maybe going to some place on Sunday just for a pizza or something. And I said, well, they're closed on Sunday. She said, no, no, are no, closed on Sunday. And this happens all the time. So we pull out our thing. And once again, she was right. I was wrong. It was open on Sunday. But, you know, it was closed like on Monday and Tuesday or whatever. But that that's why you have to check these things because you think these places, you're used to going over there. You think they're going to be open. Not so much anymore. And if you're trying to get a pizza and a beer at 10 o'clock at night um, throughout a lot of our listing area, Good luck. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff, we went to the Iron Horse Hotel after a Chris Stapleton concert on a san- on a Saturday night. The bar was closed. The place was a ghost town. Now, I know for a fact that the hotel was sold out. Wouldn't you think that they'd expect some business? Um, our regular listener, Laura, who lives in Las Vegas, she does say, Jeff, if you're looking for late-night entertainment? Come to Vegas. Plenty of bars and restaurants open 24-7. Laugh out loud. Oh, well, Laura, I was there a couple weeks ago, and... And yes, that that is that is true. You can find places to do just about anything you want in, in Las Vegas. But the truth is, Mike Spalding, if you go to Las Vegas with me, it's kind of boring because it's exactly the same thing. You, you by the time you go to see a show or something like that, and typically you eat a little bit before the show, and you come back and you have a drink or two, and then I, I'm I'm ready to go to bed anyways. I'm I'm not out the two or three in the morning.
2: Are you? A, I should know this. I've worked with you for so long. Are you a? Are you a Las Vegas strip guy? Are you the old Vegas?
1: I I like the strip. I stay at um, MGM or last time we were there were New York, New York, or maybe Bellagio. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strip guy. We'll, we'll go down every once in a while to, you know, the downtown area, the Fremont Street experience and stuff. But I, I, I I like what I like and I hang out on the strip. It's it's funny because people will say, well, what's the weather like? And I say, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I mean, I, I haven't left the hotel because my, it's kind of like. Okay, there's the the sports book, and I'm betting horses, and there's the restaurants, and you know, I just I have no clue. It might be really nice outside, just don't know. I will work.
2: say if you are if you're next time you go the Circa Hotel, which uh-huh. they just redid, very nice sports book there. Okay, yeah, well. I'm a sports book guy, so we we went. And I was like, this is really nice. You wouldn't expect it to be off Fremont, but
1: it was it was very nice. Yeah, it's um because it, you know you go down to Fremont and it's. Um, oh, the golden nugget, of course, is the place. Yeah, I just no, I, I kind of like where we the, stay. There you go. That's right. I, <laughs> I there, there you go. I, I, I sort of hang out at the strip, but it's it, it, it doesn't matter. Bottom line is, I mean, this last couple of times I've been going to Las Vegas, and you know, people always say, "Well, how did you do?" And I, I always say, "Well, you know, sometimes you eat the bear, and sometimes the bear eats you." And last couple of trips, I've been bear chow. There's just no doubt about it. So, it, <clears throat> it was kind of ugly last time. So. So I'll have to keep working until I'm 90. Who knows? I'm Jeff Wagner. Coming up next is Pop Culture Corner, and this is the intro to a pop culture corner that I would never have guessed I was going to use. Stick around. Yes, that is Taylor Swift who is our introduction to Pop Culture Corner. It's Pop Culture Corner time, brought to you by Palermo's Pizza. October is National Pizza Month, and what better way to celebrate with Palermo's? Delicious frozen pizzas made right here in Wisconsin for over 55 years. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. All right, so here's the deal. This is Pop Culture Corner. One caller in the complete and total discretion of my producer, Charlie, will win our awesome Palermo's prize package, which includes uh, coupons good for a couple pizzas and a really cool pizza cutter that I'm trying to figure out how I can get one and some other stuff as well. But in addition to all that, in celebration of National Pizza Month, you will be entered to win your very own pizza party and an even bigger pizza prize package. How cool is that? All right. And that is exclusively in the discretion of my producer. It goes to one of the callers, and I know... A lot of people text in as well, but right now we just do that for the callers. Maybe we'll change that some week. All right, so here's the deal. And Jeff, why would you start with Taylor Swift? Name Jeff. Name five or name five Taylor Swift songs. And the answer would be I, I can't. But I bring this up for Pop Culture Corner because today Taylor Swift just dropped her her latest, you know, album. Um, um, and it's, it's just, it's kind of like blowing up on, on the internet and the streaming services. It's called Midnights. So in th- there, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it other than that. I just know that it's, uh, it's, um, Spotify, for example, crashed, you know, after they dropped this. So this is incredibly popular. And, you know, Taylor Swift has developed over the years, this incredible catalog of music, a of, real, you know, a real songbook. And one of the stories that I'm looking at, actually, in the Wall Street Journal, is that she's got so much music out there, including a number of these, all this new music that she's never toured behind. The question is, you know, w- will she ever perform a lot of this stuff in concert? There's just so much music out there, and she's been incredibly prolific. All right. I, I this, this got me to thinking, because I, I want to have a music-related pop culture corner. This is... This is the topic, and our number is 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ Talk and Text line. All right. The performer that you ha- think has the greatest songbook, in other words, somebody who you just never get tired of listening to, to their songs, and not just one or two, but you know, the one you go to the concert and you say, my gosh, this person... I didn't realize, there's 20 or there's 30 songs, there's 40 songs, they're all great, they're all timeless, everybody knows them. So the performer, the artist, the musician, um, and it can be a band as well as an individual, with just the the greatest songbook, the extensive songbook. You never get tired of listening to it. And if it's not Taylor Swift, who would that be? 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. The performer with the great American or the great worldwide songbook you love to see them in concert, or you would have loved, if they've passed, to have seen them in concert and just go, oh my gosh, I can't believe how many just great songs that this particular performer has. 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ Talk and Text line. Back with your calls and texts in just a moment. So, very glad to have you with us. Um, Pop Culture Corner, what we're talking about right now is the the, the, the great songbooks, Taylor Swift just... Dropped a record today, um, and they're talking about, like, all the accumulated music she has. You know, they're wondering if a lot of the stuff that she's come out with over the last couple years, there's just so much of it, she'll never be able to play a lot of it in concert. And I thought that just got me thinking about, you know, some of these performers. I remember... I mean, I've seen Rod Stewart three times in the last, I don't know, five or six years. And whenever you see Rod Stewart, um, I'll just i I'll hear these songs and I say, gosh, I forgot that that was a Rod Stewart song. I, same thing happened when I saw Mellencamp a few years ago. I mean, I forgot. I'm like, oh, my gosh, th- these are all hits. And they're hits from different points in time of his career. But it's really an incredible songbook. All let right, Let's start with Darren in uh, Cedarburg. Darren, you're on WTMJ. Darren. Darren in Cedarburg. Darren? Okay, let's try. Um, Let's see. Jenny in Kenosha. Jenny, you're on WTMJ.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: I am well, thank you. Okay, the performer that's just got that great songbook, you're just amazed at all the tunes they have.
0: Elton John, and I just saw him in Chicago.
1: Okay. Did he play most of the hits?
0: Yes. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, that's, um, you, you You know, I mean, I just, I mean, I remember, I am old enough to remember when Elton John first started making it big in this country, you know, with the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album and a couple yeah. of the ones before that. And you, you do, you listen to an Elton John show and it's just, it. you go, my gosh, I, I had forgotten that, that he had that song or <laughs> I'd forgotten that he had the other song or whatever. Yeah, no, there's no
3: question. Oh, and you know all the words to the songs
1: too. Well, that's right. That, there's there's no question about that. You know all the words. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Let's talk to Richie in Lamira. Richie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Richie. Am I hitting the right button? Richie in uh, Lamira. Richie, good afternoon.
3: Hi. Good afternoon. My uh, my selection is Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. The boss.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a. Um, Matter of fact, I, a number of people are are saying that you know you go back. I mean, you start with uh, you know greetings from Ashbury Park, and then which didn't sell very well, and then the that, that whole Born to Run era, and just uh, decades of music. It's it's amazing how many just incredible tunes he has.
3: Absolutely, absolutely, I agree.
1: Yeah, no, I think, and and they're all, and, and you know, and you've also for some, and I I understand Bruce Springsteen's politics are off-putting to you know. Several of us, but it but it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that they're they're still they're just great tunes. Okay, let's talk to Barb in Fond du Lac. Barb, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Barb. How are you? I'm good. Okay, it's the it's the, the band with the great songbook. The band with the
0: greatest songbook are the Eagles.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Have you been an Eagles fan from the beginning? Don't you agree? I I I I love. I know I I love the I love the Eagles. I, I've actually I've seen them in concert multiple times. Actually, even before the tickets got so crazy expensive, and I I can remember you know seeing Glenn Frey and Don Henley and um, back in the seventies and I am the you know the Hotel California days and before that when they were more like a like a folk rock band. No, I think I think the Eagles are an incredible song. What's your favorite Eagles song?
0: Um. Desperado, I
1: think. Oh, you really go back. You're old school. All right.
0: I really go back. Yes. Yeah, I, I guess I'm dating myself. But I, I've always loved their music. And I'm actually, I'm headed to see them in Des Moines, Iowa um, in November. Oh,
1: outstanding. So it'll be fun. Outstanding. Well, Barb, according yeah. to my producer, Charlie, you are our mm-hmm. winner of our Palermo's prize package. And you're entered into this, this pizza contest that we've got going on. And you're going to get this, this fancy, like, pizza cutter that I haven't figured out how to get a copy of one of them myself. So you enjoy it, okay? Wow! All right. I feel
0: very fortunate. Well, thanks.
1: you have a great weekend. Thanks, Thank you. No thanks. No, anytime we talk about the anytime we talk about the Eagles, and that's you know the Eagles went through all the different you know iterations that are there and things like that. Okay, let me uh, let's see. Uh, We've got swamped on the text line. Let me make sure make sure we get some. The Grateful Dead. Yeah, I mean if you're a Deadhead, that's certainly the um, that's certainly the case. Um, Ozzy Osbourne, huh? Ozzy Osbourne. Fleetwood Mac. Well, that was... I, I've told this story before. I saw Fleetwood Mac at Alpine Valley after the Rumors tour, um, and, and they played... they only had a limited numbers. They played every song off the Rumors album. They played every song after the Fleetwood Mac album, which was the introductory album for, like, Stevie Nicks and things like that. And then they just ran out of tunes, and the crowd wanted more. Uh, Jeff, for me, it's Stevie Wonder... For me, it's the Beatles. Um, A lot of people, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, we're hearing that. Ozzy has a bunch. I have a new appreciation now from his most recent album. To me, Jeff, it would be Neil Diamond. Um, The songs never get old, and you know them all. Jeff, for me, it's the Doobie Brothers. Boy, that's kind of a blast from the past with the Doobie Brothers. Jeff, for me, Bon Jovi, Billy Joel, uh Bob Seeger. Yeah, Bob Seeger would be another one if you're looking at the Great American Songbook. And you know, of course he, he goes back to the seventies as well. Number of people are mentioning the Beatles, but also saying, hey, consider Elton John, Billy Joel. Number of people are mentioning well, let me tell you what, let's let her say it. Sue in Hale's Corner. Sue, you're on WTMJ.
0: Hi there. Good morning. Hi. Good afternoon. Good
1: afternoon. The Great American Tom Petty. Songbook, Tom Petty. Yeah. I,
0: Tom Petty. Absolutely. I've seen him seven or eight times and I miss him dearly. And I have I have a music in my car about 700 songs. Yeah. In my car. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. The, the, you know, you're right. The the Tom Petty concerts and of course he was a regular at Summerfest, so I saw him a lot there. And that's another experience just like Mellon Camp and Rod Stewart where you're sitting there and you go, "Oh, I I forgot that he did that song. Or yeah, that's that's his song as well. And it, it really is. It's just amazing how many how many hits that, that they had over the course of of the years that they that the Heartbreakers were together.
0: Yes, and he's an amazing storyteller. Amazing. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, who, who passed um, way too soon. Thanks for the call. Gary in Waukesha. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Hey, good afternoon, Jeff.
1: And you're Gotta not be Paul McCartney. Oh, you know, I, I'm glad you called because there's, you, you know, you want to talk about a songbook. I saw McCartney at Lambo a couple of years ago, and you know, he he did a lot of the Beatles tunes, and he did a lot of the Wings <laughs> tunes, and and you know, you can just kind of take it through the era, and you go, oh my gosh, that's that's right. He he did that, and he he did that song for this movie, and I'm t- he's 82 yep, years old, and he's like kicking every butt.
3: Every ten years, he reinvents. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I, I think I could yeah. be wrong. He's either 80 or 82, and it's. He is amazing, you know, just as far as his energy and stuff like that. I was just, I was blown away by that concert.
3: Yeah, he still puts on three-hour shows, and uh, he doesn't leave the stage the whole time, plays every instrument under the sun, and it's just... Yeah, yeah. From, from the early Beatle days all the way through the different compilations he's done with Kanye and Michael right. Jackson and Stevie Wonder. I mean, just, he's, he's always out there.
1: He he is, absolutely. There's no question about it. Okay, I'm out of time. I started this a little bit late, and I apologize for that. So here's the deal. Taylor Swift dropping, you know, her, her latest record today. It's blowing up on Spotify. Or, even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, the chances are there's somebody, some musician that you like or love that's got that great American songbook. Here's my challenge to you. This Weekend, okay. Find, find whether you, how how are you? Whether you stream the music, whether you've got it on CDs, whether you got it on cassette ta- cassette tapes, whether you got it on vinyl, doesn't matter. Put it on, listen to it, kind of rock out, have a little bit of fun. This has been Pop Culture Corner presented by Palermo's Pizza. We do it again next week.